So I've been trying to make this intro for a little minute and getting a little tongue-tied, stumbling over my words and shit. Uh, but I'm just going to keep it a band because I think that I'm I'm moving into a mode that I was kind of in when I recorded this epi- this this specific segment with my cousin. Uh, we got I got over three hours of content with my cousin, but y'all going to get maybe 40 to 50 percent of that because <laughs> my cousin, a real ass nigga, and I had to take some of that shit out. <laughs> but um, even going back and listening to these episodes um, two years later, um, I knew that there was some stuff I wanted to take out because. I just wasn't ready to put all that out, but I think that it's important still to share our stories. And I know that since this podcast is coming to an end, I just, I had to put it out. And I, my goal here, um, especially with sharing portions that I'm about to share now in part two and part three, um, I hope that people can learn one, anybody who knows me personally knows my cousin. I hope y'all motherfuckers understand why I love this kid so much and why I ride for him as much um, because he's been through so much. And I know I don't give a fuck what nobody say on the face of this earth. My cousin got a good ass fucking heart and he got a good soul and he's smart and fucking intelligent as shit. And I want the world to know that. And even though I know he's been through a lot of shit, a lot of really fucked up shit, a lot of fucked up shit that I learned in this, in this recording, in this session with my cousin, like, it's heavy but he's grown so much he's evolved so much since then and at the time of of this recording shit i was homeless living in a hotel like you y'all literally gonna hear the fucking vacuum cleaners i don't know if you i don't know if that was in the previous episode or this episode i don't know like you hear the vacuum cleaners in the fuck the uh housekeepers in the hallway motherfuckers knocking on the door bringing towels so it was real deal like taking me back to that moment in time during the pandemic when my cousin ended up in Atlanta and we was recording podcast episodes. So it's also a, a good way for me to reflect on kind of the experiences and the connections that my podcast has allowed me to develop. And I know that had I not created this podcast, I probably wouldn't have sat down and interviewed my cousin in the way that I did. And I wouldn't, I would not have had that opportunity to gain that next level of appreciation for who he is, not just as my cousin, my blood, but as another human being, as another black man living in America. Cause yeah. So, um, I'm gonna wrap this up, get into this next episode. Um, I hope y'all got some, maybe some snacks or some shit. Cause it gets real in part one. So, well, this is part two. So, uh, yeah, appreciate y'all. Um, and we're going to go ahead and uh, get into it. Okay, what's up to those of you who may be listening? Um, we're about to dive into a very deep and intimate story. Um, I do want to let you guys know uh, with a trigger warning that there's going to be a lot of trauma unpacked in this episode. A lot of deep and painful things are going to be unpacked with me and my cousin that I have here right now. I've been knowing this kid for over 10 years. And the first time I met him, I was like, what? You're my cousin? You're blood related? Like, and you look just like my uncle? Like, <laughs> bro, when we finna kick it? Like, let's, let, let's go ahead and, and set this turn together. I was 19 at the time. He was 16. And, and growing up, I had, I don't even know if we met before that day. I don't think we did. But through my family, I had, I never knew, like, you personally i never knew like your story as intimately as i know it now mm-hmm. even in the past like two three days like i've learned more about you more about your experiences and in, in the time that you spent in, in your life before we met 
so I think we got a, I got, got a good little plan together to kind of flow through to unpack your life and kind of get your life story um, shared between us both. I think we both going to probably learn some things about each other um, at any point in time. You want to ask me some questions. You want to get my insight on things. Feel free to do that. Um, this is going to flow like a free conversation, Jalen. Just mm-hmm. because this mic is on, this recording, don't like try to eliminate that out your mind. I want you to really talk to me and unpack your shit. Right. So, um, first thing I want you to do is just introduce yourself um, to anybody that may be listening. You don't have to go in depth into like anything that we're may- we may be discussing, but just tell them who you are as a person. If somebody said introduce yourself, what would you say? Uh, um, Start with your name. Yeah, of course, my name's Jalen. Um, I don't know. I like. I mean, you, you sit up and see project. I don't know. I like. Uh, I don't, I'm trying to think. What like, is, okay, what's some of your favorite foods? Spaghetti and steak, cheeseburgers, stuff like that. Okay, what's your favorite color? Green. Um, what do you like to do to relax? Listen to music or smoke weed. Um, and what is something that you enjoy consuming for entertainment? I like going and seeing new places, like driving, getting on the highway, like traveling to different states and stuff. I like that. Mm-hmm. I know you like anime too, right? When oh, did you, yeah, when did you first anime. get into anime? Man, when I was a kid, my brother, he all, my older brother Tyler, he always watched the stuff around me. And uh, I don't know, it just, it just stuck with me. That martial art movies, action movies, sci-fi movies, superhero movies, all that type of do you like stuff. To, do you like to read? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's some books that you've read that were really good to you? Forty Eight Laws of Power, The Art of Seduction. Um, uh, like Dante's Inferno was a really good book if you can understand it. Um, yeah. Like like stuff like that. Mm, cool. So you do like to read. All right, bet. So um, I've actually read through Forty Eight Laws of Power. Did you read Forty Eight Laws from start to finish? Yeah, that and Artist Seduction, not the art the original Artist Seduction, but the one by Robert Greene. Mm, okay. Because it it's an Artist Seduction, and it's an Art of War by a guy named like Sun Sun Tao or something like that. Sun Tzu. I used to have uh, Forty Eight Laws of Power, and I never read it from start to finish. But I read like certain yeah, chapters. Yeah, and, and then you can't, like, you just, you when you read it, like, you got to start it off in the beginning. You can't skip chapters and go to other chapters. Yeah, we always friend to end because it, it, it goes together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something I got to pick back up. Um, so let's start off with uh, a lot of this stuff we're going to unpack first. is going to be some stuff that, that I didn't know or I didn't know as much about. Um, some of the stuff I'm going to be asking for those of y'all listening. Um, I know some of these things, um, but some things I don't know. And just for the sake of what we're doing right now, we're going to go with the format that I have here. So let's start with where were you born? Uh, uh, Springfield, Illinois, Memorial Hospital. Okay. And what do you, what are some of your earliest memories of being a child? (laughs) My mom, my dad fighting all the time, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's other stuff, but like those are the main memories you know like they bought us a dog when we were little stuff like that it was like some good memories but what kind of dog did they buy you 
It was a mutt. He was like, I don't know. Remember his name? Max. Max. Yeah. How old were you when you got when y'all got Max? I don't know. My part was like three. Mm. Three or four. And so I'm assuming, well, based on what I know, so your early years, it was a lot of domestic violence in the household, your mom and dad fighting a lot. Was this all in Springfield? No, it was all over the place. You lived all over the place. You lived in Florida, New Mexico. It was, he beat her wherever. It didn't matter where we was at. And it was fighting. Okay, and when you, say, um, when you say he beat her, what do you mean, like? Like he used to, like, like, like beat her, like. When the, it wasn't a fight because number one, a, a woman can't fight a man for real. Like unless she's like Ronda Rousey or something. Like, you gotta be like a UFC fighter to like be able to really whoop a dude. But like he was just like all manners of crazy stuff. I didn't see him hit her with gesture drawers over her head, knock teeth out of her mouth, stomp on her, kick her, punch her, slap her, spit on her, elbow her, hit her with a chair, all types of crazy stuff. Hmm. Choke her, whatever. Drag her down the street by her leg, in the middle of the street. All the neighbors outside watching. Yeah. Crazy. Um, and you had, but you got brothers and sisters, right? Who um who grew up with you? Um, how many of y'all was it in the household watching this kind of stuff? At one point, it was like it was just like it was just like. It, it was really just me and my brother, like my brother Jordan, and me and him, like he's my only sibling that I got like, share the same mother and father with every other sibling I got, like they're like, we got the same mom or the same dad. Gotcha. And um, so my like that automatically like made us closer. Mm-hmm. So you were with your parents, um, going through a lot of things that you just described up until five years old. Yeah. What happened when you was five? When I was five, I got um, I got put into the uh, the system, and uh, I became a ward of the state. Me and my brother Jordan both got put into the system. I was five, he was seven, and um, well, six and a half, going on seven, and we both got put in the foster home. And like the first foster home that we were in, it was like with this white family out in the country in Mount Auburn, like outside of like Decatur, not too far away from Decatur, but like. 20, 15 minutes. And, um, like, we was there for a while, and then, like, like I was sexually molested by, like, the, the, uh, the foster, the foster dad in there. And, um, like, I ain't know how to deal with it, because I'm, I mean, you know, I just turned, not just, like, I just had turned six, not too many, uh, too long after we got put in that foster home. So it's like, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to work through it in my mind as a child. So it's like, you know what I'm saying? And like, I just acted out, you know, I didn't know what to say, you know, what, who to talk to, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I just started acting out, being bad, breaking stuff, getting angry out of nowhere for no reason. And they split me and my brother up. They kept my brother Jordan there and they sent me to another foster home. And after that, it was just like a spiral effect of like foster home, foster home, foster home to Finally, I got aged out. I mean, I ain't aged out, but um, uh, it got to a point where, like, didn't know what foster parents want to take me because my caseworker had to pre-warn them that I had anger problems and they didn't want to deal with it. And didn't nobody want to deal with that because, you know, I'm a 
I'm I'm older now and at this time I'm probably like what 10 yeah 10 going on 11 so they put me into a um a group home okay now before we go into group homes you shared something with me yesterday that I never knew mm. um tell us about the day that you were taken away from your parents uh yeah, the day though the day that this home, is when you was five, right? Yeah, when I got taken one day, I got taken away from my parents. Like we were in the courtroom, and like when the judge like made his mind up, like giving making us wards of the state. Like my dad was started beating my mom in the courtroom, like started just punching her, cracking her all in her face, punching her all in her face while they're in the courtroom. Like that was gonna help the situation or something. Yeah, and, wh- and where were you when that started happening? I was right in front. Of, I was right there. And so, what happened inside the courtroom? They took him, of naturally put him downstairs in booking, and let my mom go. I was trying to check on my mom and stuff, and they tried to keep my mom away from me and my brother because caseworker was taking us. A lady named Jennifer, and um, yeah. Okay. So yeah, that was that's that's a very like a lot of stuff you describing, bro, is like trauma, traumatic experiences, and that's a memory that you got to live with for the rest of your life. Like telling me yesterday, like the other day when I first learned that, like I I never knew that. You know, some of the things that you shared with me, I I never knew as like I knew it was bad, but I knew it was this bad. You see what I'm saying? To hear from you personally and to know you and to see you, it's like had I had known the kind of details that you shared with me recently, I think I would have approached our relationship differently, especially in the beginning. I think I would have definitely fought a little bit harder to kind of keep you around me and keep you away from the streets. So, but we're going to get into all that. So at 10 years old is when you started going, you were no longer going through foster homes. You started going into group homes, right? Yeah. Tell me about your first experience going from going into a group home. It just number one is terrible because like you in here with all a bunch of different kids and describe I, describe describe the day. Like I just being put in there, I felt out of place. I wasn't comfortable. Like it, it's automatically you can tell it's not a like it, it's not a home. It looks like a place for kids that don't have nowhere to go. And just looking at all the different types of kids that were in there and stuff, it was just like I, I knew I, I just felt like I didn't belong there, and I was just like I wanted my parents, I want my family. And I was tired at this point because I'd have been bounced around from home to home. And you first went to your first group home at what age? Ten, yeah, ten. So from five to ten, you was in and out of foster homes, and at ten at ten is when you went to group home. Mm-hmm. Um, so you were in group homes from ten till what age? Fourteen, you said. The first um, third, well, yeah, like yeah, like fourteen because the I w- the last group home, even though I wasn't really there long, I w- it was a group home, and then I went from there. to a mental hospital from the mental hospital back to uh the group home some it was, it was like a crazy cycle but i ended up going to juvenile and 
I was like freshly 14 and then they kept me there for a while till I had my 15th birthday. And um, they shit me off. So, while living in these group homes, what were some of your experiences just on the day to day? Like, what, were you in school? Was I in school? Like, were you going to school? Yeah. Going to school. And where was this at? Cunningham. I mean, uh, Champaign-Urbana. So you in group homes in Champaign-Urbana, you were going to school in Champaign-Urbana. What was school like for you going to school in Champaign? School was just, I mean, it was the same, it was like, I mean, it the same thing as the group home because I, I didn't go to school off campus. I went to school at a school on the campus of where the group home was at. It wasn't no regular school. Mm. So. So you basically were in a group home and then the school you are going to was a school for the kids from the group home. Exactly. Do you remember any positive role models or anything you had during this time? Anybody you looked up to? Yeah, like there's a few people. One one day, one dude's name was Quentin. He's like this Mexican dude. He was real cool. Another dude's name was Dave. Another dude's name was Paul. Both Dave and Paul. I liked Paul because they both and Paul and Dave because they like comic books and stuff like that. And he used to, you know, do little fun activities with us when on the weekends. Take us go to movies, stuff like that. So I liked them. And um. To be honest, Dave and Paul are the ones that kind of got me to liking like Lord of the Rings, and like, um, like that real like nerdy stuff, like that nerdy stuff, like yeah, Dungeons and Dragons and stuff, stuff like nerdy stuff. And um, yeah. So. And so I want to ask you because you know I used to teach them teach, so I'm really curious about this school that you were going to. Um, did any of your teachers like inspire you or really teach you how to do anything very well? No. <laughs> no, not at all. Okay. That 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 school was terrible. When the school it was a daycare. Okay. So then, what transitioned you from? Actually, before we move into that, what were some of the other people in the group homes like? Did you make any friends? Um. Anybody you was cool with while you was yeah, kind of like one. There's one kid named SJ. I liked him, and then there was another kid named Lamil. I used to play, and that's what like me and Lamil used to play basketball together all the time and stuff. But other than that, not for real. I ain't really like none of them bastards. <laughs> um, what was their experience like? Share some stories about some of the things that they had been through. I mean. I, you don't really talk about that stuff in there. You know right. what I'm saying? You don't want to really want to talk about your family. Or mm. your, you know what I'm saying? You in a group home. Mm. Or, you know, the, your, your past for real. And mm. we young kids, too, so we not really knowing how to deal with that mm. at that point in time in our lives anyway. So, you know, trying to bring that up would be a sore subject for anyone. So people are just focus on the right, the current, you know, their current role in life and what's going on in their life then, you know. That's like more like, if we were like 16, 17, then, you know, most likely stuff like that would be going on. But we were still really young, so. And you mentioned um, you were in and out of mental hospitals. Did you ever have a counselor or a therapist that you worked with? I mean, I had counselors and therapists all over the place. Not just mental hospitals. I'm group home, 
all over the place. There was one, actually, there's one guy at the group home, the first group home I went to, he was a therapist, and, like, he just really, like, he helped me get through a, a, a tough period of time. His name was Russ. And he had, like, a pet fair. He used to bring his fair then to work with him and stuff. Real cool guy, white guy. He actually stopped working there because he adopted one of the kids from there. So, mm. you know, he was a, he was a good, like, a good, genuine person, like, really good person. And how did he help you uh, work through things? Like, what are some things he provided for you? Just really, like, listening to me. Like, when he would talk to me, he would take me off grounds with him in his car, take me to, like, Burger King, get something to eat, stuff like that. And, like, just talk to me and really hear me out and, like, help me work through stuff. And I'm a kid, so him being able to talk to me and get me to work through stuff that I'm dealing with, like, that's, that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. That's what's up. Because um, I know that therapy and counseling is something that I think everybody needs. I think that trauma and just going through bullshit in life is something we all going to experience, you know. But at the same time, one of the things that I've learned is that you never want to compare. Like, like I can't compare my childhood to yours because I only have one childhood. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I can't say my childhood was better than yours because of, you know, whatever reason. So, um, hold on. We're going to pause for just a second. So, yeah, like I was saying, um, I'm learning to not compare traumas or compare what people's different experiences are. But I can definitely say, like, you've been through some shit, bro. Like, your early years, like, it's been been tough. And I also want to say that I'm very proud of you for... um, you pushing through all this because at the end of the day you're here you're sitting directly across from me and you survive some things that i don't know that i would survive that had i had some of the experiences that you had i you you may be looking at different cousins sitting in front of you you know what i'm saying and so it's really about how people respond to things and how they react you know what i'm saying certain things in life are just gonna happen that are beyond your control and up to this point what we're talking about most of this shit has been out of you you didn't have no control over that stuff you know what i'm saying and it, and it pushed you down a path and a trajectory that led you to where you are now and yeah let's just let's just let's just stay focused because i feel myself even getting mm-hmm. so at 14 is when you were first incarcerated with what's the name of the the place that i incarcerated mm-hmm. irc harrisburg what is what does that acronym stand for those letters illinois youth correction and what caused you to um, go in there? Is acting out. I didn't. What did you actually do? What were you? They were... they said that I threw bleach in the lady face, which don't know. If, I ain't throw no bleach in her. That bitch was trying to get off work with some bread for however many days and trying to get a check. And I kicked the mop bucket over, and the bleach got on her feet. And she said it splashed up from the flow and got in her face. And then when she was doing that shit, acting like she was so hurt and shit, that shit was pissing me off because I knew it ain't getting her off. So I just bugged up. I was running around that bitch, breaking windows and shit. Just until the police came. And this was where? In Alton, Illinois. And that was at a group home? Mm-hmm. So you kicked the bucket, bleach got on the lady, and did you hit the lady at all? No, I didn't touch her. But you you tore the house up. Huh? You tore the house up. 
Yeah, bro. Yeah, no, I told the house so. And then, so at that point, they uh, did they sentenced you to six months in RYC Harrisburg, but I turned six months into then into two years. And so, when you went to RYC Harrisburg, uh, what was that like? Shit, it's intimidating because at the age I am, I was still like I ain't. I'm still a preteen, basically, even though I just had turned 15. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not, I don't got no muscle for real. I'm still scrawny. And then, like, I, like, I was having trouble with my vision at that point in time because, like, if I read for too long, I used to love reading. If I read for too long, my, my I'd get double vision. And so I, had, I needed reading glasses sometimes if I've been reading too long. And I used to, like, I used to, like, have my glasses on all the time because I didn't I ain't like I'm in a new place I ain't trust nobody to leave my glasses in my cell you know what I'm saying and some motherfuckers just like thought I was like it was like it was sweet or whatever and so I was just fighting and then I was only there for like a few weeks anyways because there was an intake process and then since I'm from Springfield and then Harrisburg is closer to like St. Louis and all that other stuff so like Southern Illinois so they sent me up to St. Charles, which is like towards Chicago, closer to Springfield. And uh, it's like a suburb outside Chicago and stuff, like a little small town. And they sent me out there to that, to the, uh, to the, uh, what you call it, um, juvenile prison out there. And then it was just worse because, you know, Chicago kids are, are messed up in there. Mm. And they all think they tough. And if you're not from Chicago, they automatically label you as like a goofy or something. Mm-hmm. So I was just fighting every day. Whooping niggas, getting whooped. Mm. And so you also told me something about you saw. I, I got to get you to share this story. You said the dude bit somebody's nose off? Yeah, he bit a nigga nose off. One of the most fucked up fights I've ever seen. Dude was sent down. Dude was sent down on the... um. On the on the bench in the gym room, we was playing basketball. That got into it, and dude was sitting down there, was woofing at each other. And the buddy that was standing up over the dude that was sitting down on the bench on the bleachers or whatever, he just like some werewolf shit, like some supernatural shit. He just leaned in so quick on him and bit that nigga nose off. You can see all up in his nose, nasal cavity and shit, bridge of the cartilage where his nose was supposed to be. It's nasty. You know how do, how old the two dudes were that. We're in that incident? Shit, probably like 15, 16, 17, something like that. And how old were you at the time? You was 15? Yeah, I was 15, going on 16, seeing this shit. I'm damn. It's crazy. So you was in juvenile prison, um, Illinois, IYC, or whatever it is, until 16, 17, you were released. Mm -hmm. What was that day like? Like when they release a motherfucking wild animal back that's been in captivity damn near his whole life back into the wild. Shit, I ain't know what to do. And so um, you had gotten in contact with your parents, right? Mm-hmm. With your mom? Yeah. That just made shit worse. Um, at what point did you, because um, you were removed from your parents' custody at five, pretty much for, and that's remained for the rest of your life. At what point did you contact? Getting back in contact with your mom. You were like, how? 
Shit, I ain't really get back in contact with my mom till I was like 